Good evening, everybody, and welcome to, I suppose, what we could call the finale of the Sport Nimerick Soccer Podcast, uh, which comes to an end probably in conjunction, uh, hopefully temporarily, of course, but in conjunction with the end of the Erfrissi League season that we've been following Treaty United closely overall. Uh, Jason, the, the final night of the season, uh, will you miss us for a few weeks? I certainly will, Adrian. I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed following the team and I've enjoyed yours and Noel's company very much. Um, definitely not you was tearing that. I don't know about Noel, but uh, yeah, uh, thanks for the, the kind words, I suppose. Um, to look back, Jason, on last weekend, I suppose it ended up on a disappointing note, not necessarily with the performance from Treaty United on the night, but because obviously they didn't get through to the next round of the playoffs. It's probably what we feared. They went in there, they gave a really good account of themselves, got two goals back, but what we feared was that the three goals would, would go, go against them. Now, I know it didn't on aggregate as such, but, you know, it was a courageous performance from Tommy Barrett's team and one we were hoping they would give and end a good season on a relatively high note performance-wise anyway. Yeah, it's been a fantastic season for the Madrid, you know, and... And the performance the other, the other day on Sunday, I suppose, summed it up, battling till the end, gave absolutely everything. And look, I could have been perceived as being a little bit critical, I suppose, after the first leg, but it was more disappointment to Adrian than anything. I didn't expect Treaty to come through the playoffs. That was well well outside their remit um, all season. There's no doubt about that, even though they played themselves into it. They couldn't be expected to be coming through playoffs. My hope was that they'd give that performance that they gave in the ball at the market's fields. You know, that's what I was disappointed about because it was a great performance in the ball. It really was straight from the off. Very attacking performance, attacking lineup, and the 4-3-3, three, three, I suppose, from Tommy, the three in the middle was very definite in their roles as opposed to the 4-2-3-1 that we saw in the market's field. And I think that probably played a part in in the 3-0 defeat, so that was rectified. And Dean George, we said the impact he would have, Connor Melody, obviously, with the goal, I thought was fantastic. And harsh on Stephen Christopher with the sending off, and that kind of turned the game, I suppose. But at 3-0, you can't be expecting to, to beat UCD at home, Adrian, over two legs. And the fear was always there that they'd get a goal with their, with their firepower. And that kind of killed the game, I suppose, when they did, you know, like 68 minutes that killed it you know in fairness like three minutes after um, and O'Donnell's header I suppose Stephen Christopher gets the red card so I suppose like the whole season Adrian you know full of incident um, and very very positive overall there's no doubt about that Yeah it certainly was indicative of the way that the season has went Noel Jason mentioned it there the game changed on the sending off of, of Stephen Christopher. They raced into a 2-0 lead, scored at the perfect time, started the game, started the second half, had given themselves loads of time uh, to get a third goal. Then three minutes later, Stephen Christopher shown a, a straight red card. Uh, what was your view of the incident, Nod? Look, it must have been heartbreaking for them. And I did expect them to do well. I, I thought that they'd really bounce back because, you know, they have been so consistent all year and I said that they would have been hurting in, in the dressing room after the, the game in the Marcus Field where, you know, it was hard to pick out any player who did themselves justice. And, uh, you know, they would have been determined to rectify that. And I said they probably would regret, the, you know, the three goals um, deficit because they, they put themselves in a position where 
you know, they give themselves a real chance, like, you know, with that 25 minutes to go and they tune it up, certainly to bring the game to extra time at least, if not more, the way the way it was going. Um, the red card, you know, you're trying to watch it on the LOI TV, you know, you can kind of isolate, isolate it and slow it down. I tried to do it a few times. What I, what I will say about it is I thought the referee was in a very good position. He was about six foot behind um, Stephen Christopher when it happened. And certainly the player was was pretty hurt after the incident as well. And that included after the match when he, uh, when he was hobbling across the, across the pitch. So I don't think in fairness to Tommy, he, uh, he made too much of it um, in his interview. I was a bit, a bit taken aback when I heard the, the club PRO on Live 95 FM on Monday making a big issue out of it and said that it was the one single incident, if you like, that that the whole season uh, hinged on. I, I don't think it, it, it was like that at all. And the fact that, you know, there was kind of a bit of mudding of the waters that it wasn't the first bad decision that this referee had made and it could be a Dublin bias and all that. I thought that was quite juvenile and fanciful. Um, I he, he mentioned the referee's assessor as well. And, you know, we don't hear what happens. But I, I'd say the one part of that incident that the referee was in trouble with, the player actually continued to play um, after the incident, even though there were two medics on the pitch for a couple of minutes with him. And I'm sure the the referee's assessor took him to task over that. Um, as regards Dublin referees, I, I remember my time, I, I much preferred a Dublin referee than a Cork referee, for example. And if, if people don't think that, you know, the referees get themselves into trouble. Well, it's Graham Kelly's last um, year as a referee, and it was unofficially expected that he'd get the FBI Cup final this year. But he's made a few mistakes in the last um, month or six weeks, and now it's Rob Hennessy. We hear that's that's going to get the nod for the FBI Cup final. So certainly, look, those referees are are evaluated. Obviously, they don't get everything right. Um, I don't think it was. Uh, a cut and dried bad decision. You know, it was hard to see. And look, at worst, it was probably a reckless tackle by Stephen Christopher. He was probably very hyped up over the fact that they were getting so close to doing the impossible as it was. And, you know, it, it was the bad way for them to go out. But I, I think it, you know, the damage was really done in the home like, And, you know, it isn't really fair to, to say that there was some kind of a, a campaign against Treaty all year by Dublin referees to derail him. I, I think that's you know, really very far from the truth. And uh, they will look back at that first leg with, with regret. I remember in, being in the dressing room in Jackman Park with my own team when we were playing Derry City in the League Cup final. And I thought we were very, very poor in, in the first half. And I just pointed out to the players that, you know, that that they were letting it pass it by, you know, and, and they may think at 19 or 20 or 21 that these things will come around again and again. But, you know, they won't. And as it turned out, you know, there was very few of them who ever saw another national cup final again, bar one or two, and that's and and that's the way it goes. And sometimes you have to really grab this opportunity with both hands. And the experienced guys in that dressing room will know that they may well have let it go, you know. And it would be nice if if we were talking again next week in another podcast for a build up to the to the playoff final. But it doesn't take away to a great season by treaty, you know, from all the players and and all the management, the coaching staff as well. Yeah, certainly. And I know that from Tommy's comments to me afterwards, he was 
unsure about the red. I expected him to come out all guns blazing in defence, Stephen Christopher, but he was a bit more unsure uh, of it than that. He, he wasn't as cut and dry as he said, as you said, Noel, sorry. But I suppose you were speaking about next season. Two players who really didn't play a lot this season, Jason, you talked about them a bit already, were Connor Melody and Dean George. Tommy also mentioned in, in his post-match how they were unlucky with those two guys. And it's probably clear to see that they were, Jason, because they added a new dimension to the team, to be fair, whenever they have played, which was very rare uh, this season. I suppose it's cause for optimism for next year if they can manage to, I suppose, convince those guys to stay. That's the key piece, Adrian. Can we keep them at treaty for, for another season? That's going to be difficult. Obviously, Dean George is, is travelling quite a bit to be part of the squad, Connor Melody less so, I suppose, from the Galway area, but very, very impressive, both of them. Um, on Sunday, Dean George in particular gives you another option to, to Kieran Hanlon, and you'd hope that it might get a bit more out of Kieran Hanlon, I suppose, in, in pre-season and, and in the early games, you know, if he knows that that real competition is there for places, and I think that's the key piece. You know, Tommy, you'll need to freshen up the squad. I think they've got a, quite a few teams on the hop this year. They weren't expecting Treaty to be so competitive in a lot of the games. And I think if you can keep both them guys next year, obviously you'll have a job maybe keeping Tyg as well. But you'd like to keep the whole squad, Adrian, wouldn't you? And, and maybe add a couple to it. You know, but reason for optimism, huge. Most definitely to build on this first season and go forward. Yeah, certainly. And Noel... That's a, a point I was going to bring to both of you. If you were to select maybe a core, maybe three to four players that would be vital for a treaty to hold on to. I know Jason was speaking that you would obviously like to hold on uh, to the majority of the squad, but if there was three to four key players that you would like to hold on to, who would they be? Yeah, and I'd include um, McEvitt as well. I see he was on the bench as well, and he's another guy that I thought that, you know, that we could have seen more of. I thought he made big impact when he came on. And it just shows you, like, certainly if you could hold on to those three and Kieran Hannon as well and Sean McSweeney, like, you know, there's a real attack and threat there and, and competition for places and probably different ways to play, you know, just to mix it up a little bit, which, you know, they may well have to do next year. As, as Jason said, they would have, you know, been a bit of a surprise packet in terms of the teams this year. And that certainly wouldn't be the case last year. And uh, in, in terms of players, I was thinking... You know, in terms of being consistently good and staying injury-free, I think Ty Ryan obviously has had a, had a great year. Um, and to O'Donnell, again, you know, has maybe was a small bit quiet in the last few weeks, but certainly powered into the second leg of the match last week. And obviously Mark Ludden as well, you know, with his assist and his goals and, you know, just his overall experience and how difficult it is to find a good left-back in the league, you know, and that's over a long period of time, you know, they were always hard to find. And I think another guy who deserves a mention who, for me, he didn't really put a foot wrong when he played. And uh, hopefully we'll see more of him next year is uh, Callum McNamara, who um, I thought was really, really good. And for a young player, showed a lot of maturity, you know, after all, it was his first season in the league. Whereas a lot of these guys who we are praising, they certainly have had a lot more experience in the league than... Than, than he has had. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jason, I suppose to task your own opinion on it, if you were to pick maybe three to four core players that you would like to keep, uh, who would they be? Ty Groin, like Noel mentioned, 
you know, very, very important all season. I think he might be difficult to hold on to, Adrian, you know, because as we know, it's a specialised position and, and based on performances this year, I don't think there's been too many better in the division than Tyg. Um, he's going to be a massive one because obviously it's a, a difficult position to fill if he does go. Um, Sean Gearns, massive. Anytime he was out of the team, you could see the, the dip in performances. Uh, Mark Walsh, for me, outstanding. We missed him when, when he was out injured and the same with Sean Gearns. And we were very, very lucky that both weren't out at the same time. Uh, Mark Walsh just returned when, when Sean Gears was out with his ankle injury. And obviously, Mark Ludden, you couldn't but, I suppose, mention Mark. For me, he's probably been the player of the year. As Noel quite rightly said, assists as well as defensively. And, and just leading by example throughout the season, the games I was at, could hear him encouraging people, but also getting on to other people when it was needed. So he's really been a leader. He'd be my player of the year, but... That would be the core, Adrian, for me, that it's going to be very, very important to keep on top. Yeah, in the positive side of players you want to keep on to, Noel, you'll always have a, a good list. There was a lot of players left, Treaty, we'll say, in the mid-part of the season, the likes of your Aaron Fitzgerald's, Adam Foley's, that, that weren't, and Edward Wired, the likes of those players who weren't getting game time, uh, they left quite quickly. The Subs bench then was relatively, until the last couple of games, filled with a few under-19s players, which probably shows you that the core of what was there is what Tommy wanted realistically. But, you know, like everything, football is so uncertain. And I suppose, what players do you think may be on the way out uh, if you were to, to think of a few or other clubs looking at them? Yeah, well, look, to be mentions during the year, Jason has already mentioned uh, Ty Ryan, although I did see him come out in an interview and say that, that he hoped the group stay together. So um, hopefully he's still thinking that in a month's time when someone makes a phone call to him. Um, in terms of who's gone out, you know, guys will make decisions. Um, you know, it is it is a real commitment to play in the league. Um, in terms of how you live your life as well, it's not just the training, but how you live your life every day. There's a lot of travel in it. You know, you're traveling on a Friday, you might be going to Dublin. You're coming back. Some guys have work on a Saturday. Um, it might be very unfair to speculate who'll be going or maybe there's some players that Tommy, you know, doesn't really fancy anymore or, you know, he may well have three or four guys lined up to come in already that are will make guys surplus to, uh, to requirements. But I think in fairness that the guys, you know, and there was a group that, that did play a lot of games, you know, that 16 or 17, he'd certainly want to hold on to them. If, if you know, if he can bring in another three or four players to freshen it up, and that'll cause that bit of competition that we were talking about. Um, there's certainly plenty of optimism for, for next season. Yeah, there definitely is. Hopefully that will be the case. Jason, you've spoken about this already, but I suppose it's a question I'll just ask you to make it clear uh, for the, the viewers of the show. If you were to pick a player of the year out of the team for 3D United this year and what has been a great season, it's probably a tough task to be fair, but again, who, who would you select? Yeah, I mentioned Mark Ludden. He'd be the one for me, Adrian. You know, played nearly all the games. One red card, obviously. A little block on his copybook, but, you know, that was just a rash tackle that night, to be fair to him. As I said, he's led by example. You know, his deliveries from corner kicks, free kicks, his long throws. You know, he scored a couple of goals as well, as well as the assists. And defensively, he's been absolutely fantastic because that's really been the 
the bedrock of, of treaty season has been the defence, you know. So Mark Ludden, I suppose it would have been difficult for me to to pick him over Mark Walsh and Sean Gears had they not been injured. So they both missed kind of spells in the side. Um, obviously, Tyg, very, very good, as I said, but I just don't think you can look past Mark Ludden. I think he's been brilliant. Yeah, he definitely has been brilliant. And I know when I was growing up with League of Ireland players, you'd often see League of Ireland players playing until they were 35 or 36 uh, before they were called veterans. But I remember reading a, a couple of articles recently where Mark Ludden was referenced to as a veteran and he's only 31 years old um, play, playing for Treaty. Uh, he's been hugely uh, experienced for them. Noel, Jason's after going for Mark Ludden. I know you're a huge admirer as well, but have you went for anyone else for player of the year? Yeah, well, as Jason did go for him, I suppose it's only fair uh, to me to go for someone else and I'd have to go for Ty Ryan if I wasn't going for Mark Ludden in fairness. Um, you know, you talk about consistency. I think he, uh, he didn't play in a couple of matches early in the season and uh, he just seemed to get better and better. And in an awful lot of games, you know, he's made three or four really, really smart saves and some unbelievably brilliant uh, saves. And, you know, for a keeper, you know, to play so many games, the only blip, if you like, was was the first goal against UCD in, in, in the playoff game in the Marcus Field, which was unfortunate for him, the fact that, you know, that it was a game where there was a lot of, spotlight on but look I mean one mistake in the season or one very obvious mistake in the season certainly um, it's a huge testament to his consistency and overall performances and I, I think he'll be delighted to have a full season under his belt I know that he's obviously playing the league before and maybe was you know was in and out of teams and maybe had a couple of mistakes that caused him to be left out of teams but you know he should be really proud of his season now and you know it's, it's, it's a real good uh, stepping stone uh, in his career. And if you want to talk about players who can play till they're 35 or 36, well, we know that, you know, that the goalkeepers, like, for example, Mark McNulty can play right up till they're 40. So he certainly should have a long career ahead of him and uh, he should go from strength to strength. There you have it, Ty Grine. If you want to pick up your Sport and Limerick Player of the Year award, you can go into O'Connor's Butchers on William Street any day of the week and he'll have his trophy there waiting for you. I don't know where you'd find Jason O'Connor if you were Mark Ludden, though. He could be anywhere out in that county uh, doing his FAI work. <laughs> so um, I suppose you already touched on this. Uh, to be, obviously, we, we said it every week. It's been a brilliant season for 3D United. And with that comes expectation into a new season. They'll have a a full pre-season behind him. There's a quick turnaround, Jason, all right, um, with the league starting almost a month earlier next year. But Tommy mentioned it afterwards that he thinks it's going to be even more difficult next year because, you know, he felt that they caught teams by surprise and that certainly won't happen next season. So I suppose there, there will be a lot of difficulties in that respect for Tommy going into a new season and how to freshen it up. Yeah, there will be challenges, Adrian, but... It can't be any more difficult than this season. You know, we listened to, to Tommy very early doors in the season talking about being at a disadvantage and not having a pre-season and only 48 hours to sign a squad and stuff like that. So that's all gone now. Um, the players obviously have a, have a year done together. So they're formed as a group. He will need to freshen it up. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I suppose, look, Tommy's plays the media game very, very well. You know, he really does. He gives the, the correct answers at the right times. He, I suppose, keeps the players grounded. He doesn't let expectations, you know, go too far. Um, and that can be difficult in Limerick, obviously. More difficult than other places. But if nothing to be afraid of, Adrian, is probably, in my opinion, it's going to be the same. 
the same league, obviously, without shells um, going up and and the team coming straight down, it's going to be the same league. I can't see um, I can't see the playoff winners um, turning over Finn Harps in the in the <laughs> <laughs> in the Premier uh, First Division playoff final. So he'll know what's in the league. Cork will be a lot stronger, obviously, but Tommy's going to need to strengthen. He'll need a second keeper, in my opinion, unless he's going to persist with young McCormack. If he is, he's going to have to give him some games. Perhaps he'll go for Jack Brady or, or Tommy Holland to, to come in and put some pressure on Tyke, if it is Tyke, for that position. There is talk of, of in the current coming in up top as well, which would, would add a bit of experience and some more kind of firepower. And Tommy always pulls a few surprises out of the bag with signings. So it is a quick turnaround, Adrian. But the key piece for me, I suppose, is, and Noel mentioned it there, about living the life and how the players will live the life now, I suppose, between now and the start of pre-season, bearing in mind you have the Christmas period. And you go back to Dean George and you go back to Conor Melody and you have a look and you say to yourself, them two guys were out of action for big parts of the season. And when they came back from injury, they were in good shape. They weren't carrying weight and they looked like they were looking after themselves. So it's that type of individual, I suppose, that, that Tommy will need for next season. Yeah, no, I don't know what he's talking about because Waterford are currently in that playoff place at the moment, but it is very, very tight uh, going into the last couple of games there with, with both of them playing Longford anyway, I believe, as well. Uh, and St. Pat's both of them in, in reverse order. So that should be interesting between Finn and Waterford going into the, the final stretch now. Uh, Noel, Jason just mentioned there about the lifestyle. I, I suppose as a manager, if you're looking at it from Tommy's point of view, he'll probably, I don't know what, what tactic you would have used, we'll say, in, in the off-season, but do you have to keep a real stern eye on players who have obviously agreed to come back to you now over the, we'll say, the Christmas period as it's going to be, or do you have to kind of keep your distance for three to four weeks at least and trust that the players will look after themselves in that period? Yeah, I think the advantage this season, and you mentioned it, or for next season, is the season starting a month early. So if you work back from the 17th of February, you're actually going back, you know, you should be going back into pre-season sometime around Christmas or a bit before it. So ideally, it probably would be maybe even, you know, a get-together uh, around the middle of December, which is only four weeks away. So, like, they, they certainly have less time, if you like. So from that point of view, you know, when the season starts in the middle of March, well, then you're trying to let everything go till after Christmas. And then by the time you get them back the first week in January, there's a lot of damage done. So you've certainly three weeks, you're going to be bringing them back a bit three weeks earlier. So that certainly gives you that advantage. But uh, look, I think about two, they always say about two weeks, maybe three weeks off. I mean, they should be in the, the gym doing their, their strength and conditioning programs then, you know, for at least three times a week. And then, um, you know, from there starting to build up for uh, next season again. Yeah. You'd hope that would be the case anyway, that would work to, to 3D United's advantage and that you haven't got too much time off in comparison with previous years. Now it's down to the, the part of the show that I dreaded since about week seven uh, with predictions when I knew they were going AWOL on, on several counts. Um, I suppose just to, to start off and make myself a, a laughing matter as it is, I'll just go through the list of my own predictions in comparison with the way the league ended. I had Galway United to win the league. Now, that actually isn't one of my worst predictions because they were only six points off in the end as it turned around. Uh, Bray Wanderers second. That's a bit of a, a belter there. But in fairness, Bray Wanderers are in the playoff final, so I'm not going to get too disheartened by that. The one I got really badly wrong was Shelburne in third, which is just 
show us why I'm not the experts like yourselves, lads, uh, with how, how far I had them down. Uh, Cork City fourth. I think we, we all probably uh, thought that they underachieved this season. UCD, uh, Cove and Athlone, Treaty in eighth. I'm happy enough to be wrong there, as I said at the very start. Um, Wexford and Kevin Feely, who did finish in the bottom two, but I had him in the wrong order. Um, Jason, I was looking at your own uh, predictions there, and I had you down for one correct until I actually looked, and Cork City pipped at loan to sixth place on goal difference. I mean, that must be very disappointing for you there now, not to have any right on that. I'm not too disappointed, Adrian, I'm not. Look, we see every week when we're trying to predict the results of this league, it's, it's near impossible. Cork were the big ones, I think they cut us all out. Um, with the squad they had assembled and, and we certainly thought they'd do a lot better. UCD as unpredictable as as they are, I suppose, you know, or can be inconsistent. You know, they surprised me. I didn't get them right. I had Galway and Shelburne, I suppose, as the top two. Mm. Not too bad with that. Like yourself, treaty around eight. I don't think anyone could have expected any more than that. So again, brilliant from Tommy and the group. Kevin Teeley, I suppose. It was them or Wexford for, for bottom spot, but I went for Kevin Teeley. So once Finn Harps finish in the playoff position, Adrian, I think I'll be okay. I'm sure O'Connor will bite back here. He's gloating there about his uh, top two, which I suppose you're going to tell me, Noel, is the most important to get right, and you did that. Yeah, no one remembers entering after the top two. They are the most uh, important places in the league. But look, it was difficult enough, and... Uh, you know, you're you're factoring in maybe managerial changes during the year or loss of budget and things like that. So it really is a is is a difficult business. But um, I did fancy Shelburne a lot, and I knew that Galway would be there or thereabouts. And after that, it certainly is a bit of a lottery. Um, but I'm sure that uh, Jason's success rate in not predicting any in the first division will continue in his prediction for the. For the playoff oh, place in the Premier League yeah, as well. We that we're not having another podcast uh, in a week's time to to discuss that one. Who knows? I might spring one on you and see what happens. Uh, I suppose there was the other team. I know you mentioned Jason, and I mentioned as well that Cork caught us by surprise. But another side down the road in Cove didn't do us any favors either. We all said that they finished much higher than they did. Yeah, that was I suppose based on last year, Adrian, wasn't it really? You know, but they had a difficult season. We watched them, obviously, and they overplayed. And, and look, similar, I suppose, to, to Galway scoring goals was, was Cove's problem. You know, and it's been a problem for, for a lot of teams in the league. But they'll be disappointed, I suppose, Adrian, with, with their finish. There's no doubt about that. And we were talking about Cork, and, and they'll be looking, as we said last week, to start the season very, very strong next year. But... Not sure where Noel picked that loan to be, um, but yeah, they would be disappointed as well. I kind of said they just didn't miss out in the playoffs, and I suppose they did miss out in the playoffs. So, yeah, very, very difficult. Look, we were focused on treaty all year, you know, and it's just to say thanks, I suppose, to Tommy and the group for, for the entertainment that they give us, Adrian, all year. It's been a joy to watch it and, and to give our views on it. Yeah, you beat me to that, Jason. Don't worry, I hadn't forgotten that. If we were going on points, Noel, even though you got the first two right, because you had that loan so badly wrong, you could have been deducted points for that at loan and bottom. Yeah, well, and they finished where? Sixth, is it? Uh, they actually finished seventh. Just picked okay. the sixth. 
Yeah, okay. So only three places out. Not too bad, really. Yeah, yeah. This is, oh, that's, the, yeah, only, this is the only shock for me is they managed to get a good a good manager in after Aidan Carberry because I had predicted them not to do well and then maybe to put the under-19s out for the rest of the season. But they're showing a bit of backbone now and the fact that they've uh, appointed Martin Russell for next year already means that, you know, that they are prepared to go again and, and, and give it a good go. So I won't be predicting them to come 10 next year. No, well, we'll leave that now for another couple of months. No, people have had enough of us. Uh, at this stage, I'd imagine. But uh, Jason Noel just mentioned there about Martin Russell uh, being appointed as Athlone manager. He's been out of the league now for maybe just over three years. I think it was a break. was his last time uh, in the league. Uh, it was a fairly short stint as well, if I remember correctly. So it really Limerick, I suppose, was his last time uh, with a bit of longevity in the league. Um, I do remember saying to Eric McNulty involved with 3D United that watching Martin Russell's Limerick teams was was very entertaining. Not if you're a defensive purist, which I know you and Noel O'Connor tend to be more uh, focused on not conceding first uh, rather than having Martin Russell's kind of 5-4 type games and, and attacking uh, uh, pro-S, I suppose, try to outscore the opposition. <laughs> but, um, you know, Mar- Martin will will have to, you know, uh, fine-tune that squad, I suppose. And I don't think he's going to change his mantra, Jason. So how do you think he'll do with that loan? It's great to see Martin back in back in management. First of all, Adrian, he's he's a real gentleman of the game and and a very nice chap. And look, he has his views on the game and he and he sticks with them. So I wouldn't expect much to change under Martin. He's he's very much a purist. He knows what way he likes the game to be played. It'll be interesting to see what he does with that squad. Whether whether he keeps them together, whether he breaks it up and and kind of starts again a little bit like. Like Damien Duff has done a little bit in Shells, he's kind of cleared house. So it'll be interesting to see what way Martin approaches it. But no doubt he's a great asset to the league, Adrian, and, and I'm delighted to see him back. Yeah, certainly am myself. Uh, it's great to see Martin back in the league. Uh, as you said, he was always a gentleman uh, in his time with Limerick, even in some, some difficult periods. So just to finish, there's a big weekend for the... Limerick District League, uh, sorry, excuse me, Kendi Cup team who host Cork in the quarterfinal proper at Fair Green uh, on Sunday at is two. So it's going to be a, a big day for for that team, um, and you know something to look forward to. Absolutely, yeah, it's great for them, and they fully deserve it. Niall Burns has done a, a brilliant job with them, and he's coaching staff, and it's been so difficult for them. You know, with the advent of the National Under-14 League and also the COVID. Um, but they won their three group games and they topped the league. Um, they topped their group in a, a home draw against Cork. You know, it's a, a kind of a local derby as well. And we know Cork won be very tough and they're very hard to beat. But we're hoping for a big crowd above in the fair green. And, you know, just a great day for the lads and hopefully that they can get over the line. Yeah, hopefully uh, we echo those sentiments and... I suppose that's that's it for us and that's a wrap for the whole season. It feels, I have to say, like only yesterday that we started out on the journey after uh, we attended maybe at a couple of training sessions. I remember scouting uh, 3D United, see who did sign, and we were discussing who who they possibly sign. Uh, it does feel like a very short time ago. Um, I'd just like to thank uh, Noel and Jason. They've been so far for us all season, really dedicated and giving us great insights throughout the year. Um, on all things football, not just 3D United. We've discussed many uh, various things over the season. So thanks very much, lads, for your contributions. And hopefully we can continue it again next season. And hopefully the viewers will be uh, looking for us to return.